0: The following podcast is part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. This is A to Z Healing Toolbox, tips and tools for navigating grief and trauma. I am your host, Susan Hannafin McNabb, social worker, educator, and author of the five-time award-winning guidebook, A to Z Healing Toolbox, a practical guide for navigating grief and trauma with intention. Together on this podcast, we will discover 26 powerful action-based tools and resources that will counter the negative effects of grief and trauma while assisting us in increased healing of the mind, body, and spirit. In each podcast episode, we will hear from inspirational guest experts in the fields of traumatic loss and bereavement, medical practitioners, mental health therapists, best-selling authors, spiritual leaders, nonprofit founders, and everyday individuals who are learning to live in the light despite profound darkness. Thank you for joining me. A to Z tips and tools are yours to integrate on your personal road to healing. Healing Tool J, journaling. Start writing no matter what. The water does not flow until the faucet is turned on by Louis Lemoore. Welcome everyone to this episode of the a to z Healing Toolbox podcast, where we talk about tips and tools for navigating grief and trauma. Today, we are going to focus on healing tool J, which is journaling. And I do want to point out that journaling doesn't always have to be with words. I was a word journaler for decades before Brent died. And after his death, nothing would come out. I was having to access the left side of my brain, as we do when we write with logic, order, and reason. And in a trauma situation, sometimes the left side of the brain shuts down, as did mine. So a wonderful trauma therapist said to me, hey, Susan, you know, there's another type of journaling that would really benefit your healing process. And she mentioned an illustrated discovery journal, which is pictorial. It has nothing to do with words. It's simply finding an artist's sketchbook or a blank notepad and collecting magazines and catalogs and cutting out with scissors, your images from magazines or catalogs, and then gluing these images into the book. So I have page after page of illustrated discovery journaling, which does not include words whatsoever. Now, eventually I did find words. I had to, and that's how this book came to be, the A to Z Healing Toolbox book. But until you can find words, one way to journal is with an illustrated discovery journal. Many people have wonderful luck writing and journaling in any way with their grief and trauma healing process. And today we're going to talk with John Polo, coach, author, and speaker about his process. But before we bring John on board, I just want to talk about journaling and how it promotes our healing. In case you're wondering, Why, like I do, the why. Why does journaling help in our healing process? And here are some reasons. Journaling can reduce our emotional stress, lower our blood pressure, improve our heart health, tap into our subconscious, and aid in the therapeutic growth process. And there are many ways to journal in addition to finding a blank notebook and starting to write, and the Illustrated Discovery Journal. And John Polo and I are gonna be chatting about some of that. John Polo is a coach, author, and speaker. In January of 2016, he lost his wife, Michelle, to cancer and from the rubble of everything that he once knew, John held on long enough until he found hope and started slowly rebuilding. Today, John helps others through his social media, books, coaching, workshops, speeches, and podcasts. John is the author of three books, the host of two podcasts, and has worked with clients on thousands of coaching sessions. He's been featured on People, NBC, The Huffington Post, Yahoo, Fox, and many more. John currently resides in Illinois, but has plans of living by the beach one day soon, hopefully near me in San Diego. So happy to have you here and chatting with us about how you got started writing and journaling. I know that you're doing a lot in your life now, but before we jump into how you're using writing and journaling in your life, I'm wondering if you can just share with the listeners a little bit about your story and how you got to be in this place.
1: So I'll make a super long story short. I dated my wife in high school. We broke up for eight years. We reunited after eight years. And two and a half years after we reunited, she got diagnosed with a really horrible cancer. So she had it for two and a half years before she passed away. I had never really used writing as any kind of a tool, except for once in my life. My dad got diagnosed with cancer in 2007. It was terminal from the start. And the day he was diagnosed, I actually went home and wrote his eulogy. Now I did not tell him that, and that may actually seem weird to some, but for me, it was an incredibly healing thing. In some way, I wanted to make sure that I honored him the right way if he wasn't going to make it. Eight years later, Michelle was in hospice and the last 10 days or so, she falls into a coma-like state and I begin to write her eulogy. And unlike my dad's eulogy, which took me about a year to kind of perfect, I wrote Michelle's in about two hours. My fingertips couldn't keep up with the words I wanted to write. And then when I was done with that, I began to write a book about our full love story, one that is not published yet. And I wrote the first 27,000 words of that book as well.
0: So you started writing not really intentionally, like, oh, this is a healing tool and this is going to be good for me. It just happened.
1: It just happened kind of out of necessity with the eulogy. And through the eulogy and the first 27,000 words of that love story, Really, it's not I'm not being hyperbolic when I say incredible healing began to happen. I started in those moments to work through some of my own anger. And what I tell people is in those moments, as I was writing all of that, I began to remember all of the amazing times that we shared and the amazing love that we had. And I began to look at her not only as my wife who is about to pass away, but as my wife who I had an incredible life with
0: you now have written, how many books are you on four? I know you've written three for sure, John,
1: three, the The fourth one will probably be the book about our full love story. But I have three published books.
0: Okay, so widowed, I know, and then widowed two, and then there's one on dating a widow.
1: Yep. So Widowed, Widowed 2, and then the third one is How to Date a Widow 101, which is actually for the widowed person to read first and then to pass to their law of interest, but I like the clever little name. So,
0: Okay, perfect. So you went from writing eulogies for your father and your wife to now publishing three books how did that process happen that's the first question and then the second question i love your books because like i'm looking at one right now and when i think of journaling i think of long drawn out this is my day these are my feelings like 10 pages long get it all out there and you know on one of your pages you have Two sentences, and and these are the certain songs get to me each and every time. hashtag Real men cry. Right, (laughs) that's it on one page. Right. So I love how your book is. It's all over the place in a good way. It can be short thoughts. It can be long thoughts. Like so. That's the second part of the question, I guess. Like, how did you get to writing eulogies to books? And then the second question, does it just come out in short excerpts sometimes and then long drawn out ones sometimes?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great question. I mean, I know my writing style, but I've never given it a lot of thought. So let's think about it together. Let's think about that, John. (laughs) Let's pick that apart. Yeah. But before I do, I'll tell you how I went from kind of the eulogy to the book. A month after Michelle passed, I was going absolutely stir crazy. Right? Like, you know, you're taking care of your spouse every day. Now they're not there anymore. I didn't know what to do with myself. A friend suggested I start a blog. If I'm being honest, like I didn't really know even like what a blog was, how you would do that. So I Googled how to start a blog. And I started one the next day with a matching Facebook page. Basically what I would do is I would just kind of go on there and talk about my grief, talk about my emotion, all that. And it took off pretty quickly. Now I do think I'm a good writer. I think that's one of the reasons, but I also think the world wasn't particularly used to a 31-year-old man talking openly about his grief and being vulnerable, so I think it captured people's attentions. About I don't know 14, 15 months after that, I really began to notice like how my words were resonating with people, and I think that's when somebody you know told me about soaring spirits, applied to be a, a speaker at Camp Widow. You know, Michelle gave me this opportunity to speak, although it was still coming, I hadn't yet, and I really decided that I wanted to be a published speaker, but I wasn't ready to publish the book about our full love story. And I'm not still, which is why it isn't ready yet. So I said, Okay, how do I put a book out there? That's not really about our full story, I decided to basically dump my blog into a book, which is I think why you have that kind of format, because of essentially, I just took the essence of my blog and made a book out of it.
0: Okay, and is your blog still out there?
1: So, the blog is not out there still, but all of my social media is. Instead of doing it on a website, I mean, I do have a website, but instead of having like a blog, I just post daily to social media now.
0: And so, when you were putting your book together, you grabbed pieces from your blog and it laid out this way that I'm looking at, right? So, sometimes it's long thoughts, sometimes it's short.
1: Right. So, I would say, about probably 30% of my books are already content that you could find on my social media or my blog. And then 70% were new stuff, but the format was all kind of the same. And look, I think that when people are grieving, many people, not all, but many people have grief brain. I know I have horrible ADD even before Michelle got sick. So I also designed the books for people with grief brain or ADD who who don't want to read, you know, a novel type and I wanted to make it so that on one page you might be touched your heart might be touched one page you might cry but then on another page you would laugh right and you'd be like this guy's really weird because i am weird
0: (laughs) so what would you say to people who are grieving who just can't write they feel like this this isn't going to help me you know i've never been a writer i've never been a journaler how can i start doing this if it is going to help me and i want to give it a try where can somebody start
1: yeah that's a great question so first of all i would tell people not to force it but if you really truly feel like writing is going to be detrimental in you to you in some way you don't have to force it but if you want to see if this can be a helpful tool i'm big on just putting the paper to the pen and letting it flow like i think people get in their minds too much and if you're getting in your mind too much about what's going to go on the paper especially when no one's going to read it at least at first other than you you're kind of like not allowing yourself to actually feel all of that healing because you're censoring your own emotions a bit so i think really just like grab pen grab paper and don't overthink it just let it flow
0: Such a good point. I also want to just piggyback on something you said about if you feel like writing is going to be detrimental, then don't do it. And I have to say that I was a journaler for 20 years, and that all stopped when Brent died. Because I was so traumatized, I couldn't access the left side of my brain, which was logic, order and reason, nothing would come out. So even though I had used journaling before to help me through other life events, I couldn't write anything. So I went to see a trauma therapist about all the things and she said, you know, there's another way to journal. And I said, what? And she said, it's actually called an illustrated discovery journal, which is purely pictorial and imagery based. Picture an artist's sketchbook or, you know, any three ring binder with blank pages. And instead of taking a pen and putting it to paper, you get magazines or catalogs and you're cutting images and gluing them and cutting them and gluing them because sometimes no words come out. So that's another way I just want to put out there for the listeners. Uh, Another way to journal is pictorially, if you can't bust out with the words, right?
1: Yeah, I love that idea. I've never actually heard of that. I mean, I've kind of like seen it, but I've never heard it articulated in that way that I like that. The other thing that I would say is, while I don't want people to force themselves into it, like, It's kind of supposed to hurt. Like, sometimes you have to feel that pain of what you're writing in order to eventually look back and say, that helped me in my healing process. I went to hospice bereavement and it was a group setting for widowed people. And the guy who ran it gave us paper and pen and said, write to your deceased spouse, and the last thing I had wrote was her eulogy, right? Our love story, loving stuff. So I assumed that it was going to be a loving stuff two weeks after my wife passed and instead what came out was a bunch of anger anger that you know, she broke up with me in high school. (laughs) And we lost those eight years. That's not something that I planned. But I needed to release that obviously. And looking back, it was a healing moment for me.
0: I think that's so you know, such a poignant thing you said about healing and release. And that is the point of journaling either written or pictorially is to unload the feelings and process those. Where do we go with these feelings? We jam them in, A healthy way to release them is through writing.
1: I mean, I always tell, you know, friends, clients, whoever will listen to me talk, we have so much in our head. And that was before this horrible thing happened. You have your job and family and finances and your kids and stresses and you know, your crazy family member, like there's all this stuff in your head. Now you add on like a significant loss. You have to release the thoughts and emotions somehow. Right? Whether it's journaling or talking to someone, like there has to be a relief.
0: Another reason I love your books is because you have integrated writing entries or journal entries from other people. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a bit? And I, I'm I'm asking you about this because I did the same thing and you actually were kind enough to donate a story yeah. to the A to Z Healing Toolbox. But I think it's so valuable gathering other community members' thoughts in writing as to what their experience was. So how did that process work for you, gathering other people's writings? And have you seen writing or journaling transform other people, whether they're widowed or bereaved bereaved parents or bereaved siblings or children?
1: Yeah. So it's a great question. I didn't really have that planned. For quite a few years, you know, I was in a lot of widowed groups on Facebook and people would post something and I'd be like, wow, you know, that was powerful. It would make me hopeful. It would make me tear up, pull at my heartstrings, whatever it was. It was so powerful that I would go into their messenger and be like, hey, would you let me, you know, use that in my book? because the world needs to see that. So it kind of really just stumbled the first time I saw that, I kind of messaged the person and then I was like, well, I have one, now I need 10, right? Or now I need 12. So every time I would see that, I would do the same thing. And yeah, I mean, I think being a writer now, I'm more in the writing community, And almost every person I know, whether they just do it as a form of journaling, whether they do it as a hobby, or whether they do it kind of like as a blog or book or profession, they find it not only healing for themselves, but more importantly, they are helping other people find healing through their work.
0: Now, when you're writing, are you writing with a pen? in an eight and a half by 11 binder? Are you writing in a journal? Are you typing? How is it? How does that process work? Because it works differently for every person. And I want listeners to realize there are many ways to journal, it can be typing, it can be talking into your phone, it can just releasing somehow. So how does that work for you?
1: That's another great question. You're good at the question. So if I'm writing for my own purposes, let's say I'm writing a letter to, you know, Michelle, my late wife, I'm going to use paper and pen. Okay. For my own purposes, I'm going to use paper and pen. Most of the time, if I'm going and I'm going to write like a more detailed blog article or something, that's not going to be kind of like, you know, a paragraph, but it's going to be, you know, just going to have some, some words to it. I'm going to usually use a computer, but most of my stuff, like most of my social media posts, most of my shorter stuff is actually going to be just done on my phone. You're absolutely right. Like not only You know are there many ways to write and release but you can use a combination so one of the things i have found six years out now from michelle passing is for whatever reason if i send her a message on facebook so her facebook you know profile is okay if i send her a message on facebook like let's say i'm having a particularly bad day and i'm like what are you doing up there can you help me that is a different form of release than using pen or paper so every which way I write, it kind of presents itself as a different form of relief. I don't know. Have you ever experienced that?
0: I love it. Well, when you just said, whichever way you write, you experience a different form. Yes. Yeah. So for me like I said, I couldn't write anything for the longest time. So I started doing this illustrated discovery journal. And then over time, um, I took a group class uh, through the grief recovery method, the grief recovery Institute. And part of this eight week class was to write a letter to your person. And I thought there's no way I can do this. But when I sat down to do it, I was able and first it was just I had a huge piece of paper, like a huge, massive put-on-the-floor kind of piece of paper, butcher paper, and I was just, you know, scribbling. I was angry. I was so angry. And then that turned into writing in a journal more, a little more contained, and then I was able to write it down, and some of those writings became part of the book. Yeah. But, but to your point, it's like it doesn't matter how it comes out. It's just helpful for it to come out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know sometimes with my clients or like, I do a writing workshop. Sometimes it's better just to, you know, just kind of free flow with it. But other times people need or can benefit from prompts, right? So, I mean, like with my writing workshop, like there's six different segments and usually I'll give, you know, like three or four options per segment. So now they have actual options with prompts of what to write to that person. And I feel like that also kind of helps people get out of that. Well, I don't know what to write because that's a very real thing. I don't know what to write.
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up because in my book under the journaling chapter, I have four different opportunities or different ways people can integrate writing or journaling. And one of them is called use a sentence starter. So now I'm going to put you on the spot, John. There are some examples of sentence starters, right? So one is today I feel dot, dot, dot. Okay, so I'm going to give you a sentence starter and you just verbally say what you would write could be one word, right? We're just modeling for people. You can say one word or you can say a sentence or you can talk for 10 minutes. Right. Although we don't have that kind of
1: time. You you know that how I could talk. I could go on for three hours. Give me that. Don't give me that leeway.
0: (laughs) Make them short, John, make them short. All right. So here we go. Ready? I'll just throw out a couple. But but this is what people can do with a sentence starter. You can think about it, but it helps to write it down right? Mm -hmm. Get it out. So if John had paper and pen, um, and I said, today, I feel
1: today, I feel physically tired.
0: Okay, next one. I will allow
1: myself the freedom to know that not everything always needs to get done right away.
0: I will take care of myself because
1: I am worth it.
0: (laughs) All right. Once upon a time,
1: I'm doing what I told people not to do which is to censor themselves. So the very first thing that came to my mind when you said once upon a time, and this isn't like necessarily where I would always go with this, but I think cause we're talking about grief, it's once upon a time, like I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with you. That's where I went.
0: There you go. And then why did you choose to censor? Cause you're on a podcast?
1: Yeah, just because that's not like where I live my life daily now being six years out. I mean, obviously, I'm always going to love her and miss her and grieve her. And I would do anything to go back in time and not have her get get sick. But like, that's not a daily that's not daily at the forefront of my brain. Sure. So yeah, but I mean, that's the first thing that came to my brain.
0: Well, and to your point, if I said once upon a time today, and then I had that prompt tomorrow, and the next day and the next day, I would write different things.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a prompt I give in that workshop called Dear Hope just dear hope, write a letter to hope. And that again, is something that can change every day. Because today, today, somebody's hopeful tomorrow, they're not.
0: That's the beauty of these sentence starters. Okay, last one, John, last one. Uh, Last sentence starter would be
1: I am so thankful for... I'm going to go with what came to my head, which is my career. I love it. And I stumbled upon it. And I think it's like, what I'm supposed to be doing at this point.
0: Well, what a perfect segue to your career. What are you doing now? You went from writing a eulogy for your dad, marrying Michelle. Michelle dies, you write her eulogy. You start a blog. Six years later, tell us about your career and all the things you're doing.
1: Question. (laughs) So I have three books out. Um, I'm pretty much on every social media platform you can imagine, which can be extremely exhausting, by the way.
0: Maybe that's why you're physically
1: tired. Right. Yep. <laughs> I have two podcasts out and I do speaking, you know, Camp Widow, other things. And I do one-on-one coaching. So what started as a career with kind of like grief coaching has evolved. So now I also do dating and relationships and a ton of self-growth coaching and purpose and motivation and all that. So I definitely have my hands full.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it. And if people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: My website, johnpolocoaching.com. And there you okay. can access books, services, podcast, social media links, everything. Um so the one on one of them is about dating relationships and self-growth although it's not exactly what you would think so even if you're not particularly interested in dating i think that most people would like it it's more just kind of like examining who we are as human types thing um and i try to be entertaining on there as well just like my book so it that one is called gonna love me too and it's the number two so gonna love me too and that name kind of stemmed from the fact that like I really lived most of my life hating myself as a person and my own kind of inner work to where I actually love myself now. The other podcast is called My Person Died Too. And that's actually TOO, just in case they're not confused enough. And that obviously is kind of about grief and healing and rebuilding.
0: Before we end here, we have a few more minutes. And I just want to touch base on something you just said about learning to love yourself, you know, gonna love me too. Do you think that? your writing process journaling has helped you in that process of learning to love you. That's the first part of the question. And the second part is, do you think that this tool can help others learn to love themselves?
1: That's a really good question. That's, again, one I didn't think about, um, which is the sign of a good interviewer, when you ask questions that we didn't think about, I think I've always been a good person, a kind person, a compassionate person, I've always had those traits, I've always been a deep person. Michelle's passing, if I'm being honest, destroyed me. Like it destroyed me. And it it was her passing. It was all of the things that came with her passing. My life was just horrible in every way. I kind of had to rebuild from the ground up and it was exhausting. I don't know how much weight I give to the writing, helping me with specifically like loving myself now. But I do know that it has some weight. Now, whether that's a whole bunch of weight or just part of the weight, I haven't really reflected enough to think about that.
0: Well, let's talk for a second about what other tools you have used, because I'm always saying to people who say, well, there are 26 tools in this toolbox, which one am I supposed to use first? And I always say, number one, you don't have to use them all. Number two, use the ones that resonate with you and leave the rest or check back in a year and see if something else fits. So I'm asking this question because you did not contribute to the J journaling chapter in the A to Z healing toolbox book you contributed to chapter X examining your positives so being grateful and showing and expressing gratitude so what other tools have you used in your journey over the last 6 years besides writing and gratitude and how that how that looks but Anything else that you think might be useful for other people to hear?
1: Yeah, so that's it's another good question. So one of the things I found, and I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to because I'm authentic, is you know, when I started the coaching, like I didn't go into the coaching with like a game plan. like These are going to be the 14 homework assignments I give clients with. No, I'd be on the phone with the client, and by the end of the call, I would feel like, okay, I need to give a homework assignment, and I'd create one on the spot. And every time I did that, I was like, John, you need to use that for yourself, (laughs) right? So like through that process, I would give it to a client and then I'd be like, go do this yourself. And those really kind of became my tools. And again, sometimes it was, you know, examining my positives. I I have always struggled with like my mind. It, It kind of goes to the negative. So reigning in my bad thoughts, seeing things more clearly, being kind to myself being kind to myself. This is something I talk about all the time. I think it's one of the most important things in the world. We are so mean to ourselves. And the day that I began to realize like that I was worthy of all the same love that I had always given to everyone else is the day my life began, began to fundamentally Mm -hmm. change. I don't know if that directly answered your question, but
0: (laughs) well, it does. And I think, you know, you're talking about self care, you're talking about gratitude. Mm -hmm. And And I just want to point out that your gratitude was also for other people, because what you wrote in the A to Z book was the the donut story. Can you share that? I mean, it was like a paragraph. I know it was a longer story, but I love the donut story.
1: So there's two donut stories and it was so long ago. I think it was the one about bringing the donuts to hospice. Correct. Yeah. You know, when you watch your spouse for two and a half years have cancer, you take and you spend an incredible amount of time in the hospital you really take note of like, who's taking care of her. And the people who I always appreciated anybody who took care of her, right, as long as they did a good job. But the people who I know actually cared for her, those people will be in my heart for the rest of my life. Part of me wants to just like go hang out at hospice, (laughs) like go sit on the couch, get a warm blankie, like, (laughs) like, because it felt like home because they cared about my wife so much, right? I think It was so long ago i wrote that but i think that story was about like the year anniversary after her passing and just going and taking them donuts and how much i just those people just i love them because of how they cared for my wife yes and and cared for her actually and like yes giving her her medicine and stuff but cared for her like in their heart
0: and i think that's pretty huge that a year later you cared enough about them to say you know what thank you so much and i'm bringing you donuts
1: right (laughs)
0: Well, if I had a box of donuts here, John, I would pass one to you right. in appreciation for all you do for the widowed community and all you do in your coaching and your writing. It really helps so many people. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. A2Z to Healing Toolbox offers professional trainings, live and virtual workshops, podcast interviews, healing guidebooks, speaking engagements at conferences nationwide, small group virtual support, and solo sessions individually tailored to meet your unique needs. Books can be found on the A to Z Healing Toolbox website, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and your local bookstore. If you would like to connect with Susan and join a small group for virtual support, or schedule a solo session, please contact Susan at a2zhealingtoolbox.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world?